This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. All right. I, my body is prepared for you. Okay. Um, I'm ready for insertion. And this sucks. My webcam has not been particularly high fidelity in our last couple videos. Yeah, I've noticed that. Even though it's HD and it looks great on my uh, on my PC, but it's a Microsoft Life Cam, and of course Apple doesn't let you change your f***ing camera settings from anywhere. So, so what I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say is that you'd probably have better video quality with better internet. No, which I've told you a thousand times. Not accurate. Accurate. <clears throat> my internet is literally fine. Did you just Zande me? You just taser. You tasonded me. You chocolate rained me. That's oh, actually that sounds kind of gross. Natively, when I look at native video on my uh, Mac, it looks you're pretty gross. Like a lot of the time. Starring Cody Goff. Hey, John, how are you doing this evening slash afternoon slash morning slash night? I'm doing awesome. Great. Why are you doing awesome? Elaborate, John, Nathan, Martin, because the I'm, other I'm host. not at work, and I'm thinking about all of the great things I'm going to do when I'm done doing this stupid podcast with you. The one that I make you do every week? Right. So, like, all of the things that I'm going to do after this thing, it's all... It's, it's making me very excited. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, so, listener, today, I... Are you... Do you have a video... So, listener, first, if you've never listened before, we don't plan things because we're terrible at what we do, hence unqualified. John, are you... What are you... Are you even talking about a game this week, or...? I might... I'll follow up a little bit on Batman since I've played some more of it. But otherwise, no main... Nope, no main nothing, nothing super new. Okay. I also have nothing super new, but I would like to talk a little bit about Nintendo 3DS Street Pass for a very there's, specific reason. There's a couple of big news pieces I think would prompt some interesting discussion as well. Yes, yes. I'm I'm just I'm outlining our general episode so that whomever is hearing us talk has an outline, right? Has an has a rough, rough outline, not in no particular order, thus making it not an outline. If you open your Google Documents, mm-hmm. uh, you can find the outline that Cody has uploaded. That's not a thing I'm going to do. So I'm not doing that. he's uploaded a document uh, for I'm you, not, listener, so you can I'm follow not. us with an outline. No. He's also mailed you note cards, and you can not. use these note cards to further follow everything he's going to be talking about. Yeah, not doing that. Far too much effort. But thanks for playing. Speaking of playing, so we'll talk about our video games later after our warm-up round where we talk about what you have been playing, listener slash viewer, and uh, that'll be after we talk about some pretty crazy news that's been breaking, which is pretty pretty crazy, and news, hence literally why I just called it that. And uh, let's start with talking about our weekends. What did you do this weekend, John? Uh, so this one was my weekend to work. You didn't work. And I really didn't do anything other than work. 
I worked and then I came home and I played a little bit of video games. Last night was this ridiculous exercise in frustration. It was it was the most beautiful weekend weather-wise I have maybe ever seen. Both Saturday and Sunday were like 75 degrees, no humidity, sunny the whole day. Fahrenheit. I, I worked 9 to 6 both of those days, right? So like I already killed almost all of like the best part of the day by working. Saturday, I went to the gym right after work. I was there for about an hour and a half, two hours. And when I came home, I basically ate, hung out with my wife and my boy, and then we we went to bed. I, that was that was my Saturday. Sunday was by exercising you in futility. I came home, and uh, it, it's time to mow the yard, right? Like the grass is really long, um, and I finally got a nice day where I've got some extra time. Like today's the day I'm going to mow the yard. So I get out the lawnmower. It's the first time I've used it this season, and it won't start. And my extent of knowledge with like tools with engines in them is about like it goes to the extent of I took out the air filter and cleaned it, and then I was done. Oh, and I added oil, and I added gasoline. That was the extent of my knowledge on how to fix things. Did right? that fix it? Did that fix no, it? No, no, it didn't. Apparently, the problem is far more detailed than that. I wish at some point in my in my childhood that I had like learned how to how. There are certain things that I'm handy with. It's very few things, but certain things I'm handy with. But in general, I am not handy at all. And now that I own a house, it is so apparent sometimes, and it is so frustrating. So, like, I don't have a lawnmower I can use. So right how now. how handy are you with stuff? It's like you don't listen to me when I talk. About what? So that was yesterday, and then you really – you don't listen to a word that I say. And then uh, that was it. Like, that's been my uh, – that was my weekend. So it was not event, 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 eventful. It was not eventful. How was yours? Mine was the opposite, as it is once. Wait a minute, to you mowed a so you mowed a yard? I mowed a yard, but I had problems turning off the engine. Oh, I'm just kidding. I have not mowed a lawn in over ten years, so I probably don't remember how to do it. It's not that hard. You like walk back and forth behind a device that pretty much does the work for you. Oh, I was really good at it when I used to do it. I was really I was great at it. But I believe I you. No, I believe you. You seem pretty so, spunky. You seem pretty spunky about it. I I believe you. So I'm specifically wearing this Dragon Ball Z t shirt because this weekend I was at Anime Central or ASIN, as it is colloquially known in the Chicagoland area it's or everywhere. Even, uh, it's everywhere is, is known that. I mean like they their banners say ASIN, right? Oh, no, actually, my, my badge says Anime Central. I thought it would say ASIN, but pretty much everything else says ASIN. Is it, so, like, oh. the biggest one in the Midwest? Uh, probably. Okay. They were, anim they were um, advertising a couple in Milwaukee or Madison, but probably half of the people I street passed with were from Wisconsin, so okay. oh, I'm guessing that means it's not that great up there. Okay. Or this one's just bigger. So I don't know. It was good. It was fun. Uh, I will not go into excessive detail about it. Um, but it was interesting to me. There's the uh, the difference in demographic between ASIN and Gen Con. Because I've been to ASIN before in Gen Con, and I went to Anime Iowa once, I think, which is like in some guy's basement. Uh, no, it was actually at a hotel, but it's very small. Sure. And haven't we been to another con? Well, I've been to E3, but that's a, a trade event. 
and I I feel like we've been to one other thing. I went to there's a con, there's a convention up here in Minnesota called Convergence. That's like that. all things gaming. I went there for one night with a, a buddy of mine. I don't know. Okay. Um, so, ha- oh, oh, right. No, I now I remember. I've also been to Chicago Comic Con and C2E2, the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo. Right. Which is more like movie entertainment focused than, than strictly comics. Comic Con is like comic vendors and celebrities. That's straight up it. Right. And other than Comic Con, I saw a lot of overlap between C2E2 and Gen Con, and what I thought, the, I went to Asen once two years ago, I thought there was a lot of overlap there too. I don't even go to C2E2 anymore because almost all of the vendors, if, if not all of the vendors, go to Gen Con, every single one. Right, and, so it's like you'll see it, them all there. Yeah, plus a few hundred other vendors because Ace, uh, C2E2 is like a fifth the size exactly. of Gen Con. Right, I'm, like people will be like, oh, you're going to C2E2? I'm like, that's Gen Con light, right. bitch. So, uh, I thought there was, like, all this overlap and stuff, but demographically, Comic-Con and C2E2 and Gen Con especially are very, very male-dominated and older. Uh, and Guy, we went with our friend Guy, who co-hosted an episode a few, like, a couple months ago. Yeah, it was, like, 63 or 62. Yeah, something like that. So, so this Guy, well, it was, it was partially my idea. Uh, the decision to come came from... Uh, there were there were a couple different conventions I was thinking about going to. Ended up going to this one. Guy said, "I'm in. Let's go. Let's do it." Okay, cool. Sure. And Guy Too loves late. anime, right? I mean, he's a guy big anime fan. is nuts with anime. Like we would walk around, and he'd be like, "Oh, that's a crazy Sakura con," and I'd be like, well, "Who's Sakura Shine or Son or whatever you just said?" And he'd be like, "Oh, well, you know, it's from uh, it's from uh, Legend of Hear Me, Mariyazaki, uh, which in its third season right now in, in the manga, but of course the anime just started in the first season, and you gotta catch up with that. The main difference is that character's kind of like, and he'd like give me an entire plot summary. That's and, not a bad impression of Guy either. That was actually, I mean, it's a little more, it's it's kind of a little more Chicago gangster, I think, than Guy kind of sounds, but it was yeah, pretty yeah. good. It was pretty good. I spent the entire first day just walking around with him, and it was awesome. And I learned, like, I I have since Friday forgotten more about anime than maybe you ever knew. I ever knew in the first place. Like, right. he just is an encyclopedia of anime knowledge. Sure. Uh, but we were walking around. He's really into like all of this. He knows all this stuff. He, in fact. Uh, he was cosplaying as Jojo from volume 6 or 7 of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, because there's a different Jojo in pretty much every volume. Okay, and, kind of like uh, the doctor. Kind of like, uh, yeah, I guess. Sure. And I was cosplaying as Dio Brando, the version from volume 3, the current anime season of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. And okay. there are pics on our Google Plus page. You can actually check them out in the gallery. So we're cosplaying and going along, and he's, he's telling me all this stuff about anime, but we got to talking about the demographics, and he would say the median age of ASIN attendees is somewhere between 18 and 21. The median age? Yes. Wow. Yes. I felt kind of old. I'm sure you did. At many times. I would say there were not many people over 30. Whereas Gen Con, I feel like the median age is probably thirty, lower thirties. Maybe 
there's a lot of older yeah. people and there not are. that many young people. Oh, like, no, there's a lot many. of young people. There's a lot of young people there. There are, but... I think that that's one of the magical things about Gen Con, to be honest. The Is little that... kids? <laughs> Sicko. <laughs> Is that it attracts... Gen Con specifically, uh, listener, if if you don't know what Gen Con is, it is the largest gaming convention, and it's gaming of all different kinds. In the um, world. It started off as just like tabletop and collectible card gaming, um, and it branched out into everything, and now it does actually include video games. There's some video game events and things that happen there too, but it really is the largest gaming convention in the world. It's held once a year in Indianapolis, and then they've also got a couple of other ones. I think one is in Australia and one is in California. But we go to that along with like eight other people every year. So we've been going to that for maybe 15 years straight. It's it's really been a long time. We've we're not that old, and I think we've already gone for about 15 or 16 years straight. 2001 is the first year I went. I think you started and, going in 99 or 2000. Right, and I've missed like I've missed one year. I don't think you've missed a single one, right? I missed one or two. Yeah, and so in general, though, we go every year. Um, and what I was saying was one of the one of the magical things about it is it it attracts because it encompasses all things gaming, all types of games. It really attracts all different ages of gamer. And I mean, you see it the most with like, like you'll go to like the miniatures area and there'll be a lot of, a bunch of old people playing playing miniatures, like playing Warhammer and things like that, um, who've been collecting the stuff there for a, a really long time. Or you'll go to like a live action role playing event. Oftentimes it'll be run by somebody, somebody like an old actor or something like that. Um, and then you'll go to like a video game event, and it's nothing but kids that can kick your ass at pretty much whatever game that you're trying to play. Uh, but in general, like that's what you see there. So th- I think that's one of the coolest things about Gen Con is that there's going to be something for us, no matter when we go in our lifetimes, right? Yeah, and that's really convenient because I already you're not feel- going to be able to go to ASIN for the rest I, of your life. I was going to say I feel like. It didn't feel like it two years ago for whatever reason, but as of even this year, I'm kind of like, oh boy, I'm getting on the, getting on the higher side here. It's a little weird. Yeah, because you meet a girl that you like, you you think she's really cute, and you're like, hey, you want to go grab a drink? And she's like, hang on, I gotta go ask my mom if a curfew can be extended. And you're like, that's cool, mom doesn't need to know, because that's what you would say. And then you'd probably slip her a Mickey. Yeah, see, the problem with approaching girls at ASIN, then, for me, and for anyone, any, especially any straight male, becomes, is this girl over 17? Because a lot of times it's really hard to tell, based yeah. on what they're wearing, and their wigs, and their costumes, and how sexy or not sexy. Like, I'm not going to lie, I was standing in the concession line, and I glanced over at this girl, and she had kind of short blue hair. She was taller. She was like 5'8", five 5'9", five and, you know, pretty skinny, didn't look super young, whatever. And she was talking to some girl, and she's like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. What, you know, are you in school? Something like that. And the girl's like, her, her friend, this girl asked her, she's like, how old are you? And she's like, I'm 15. And I was oh just like, my well, God. well, I'm going to get my pizza and Mountain Dew for $8 and GTFO immediately. Yeah. It is it is not a safe place for adults. Really not. Really not. I hope I'm tur- I think I'm turning red or is that just a weird tint on my camera? But did you have a good time? 
Yeah, I had fun. Um, I had fun. They had they had an e-games arena as well, which was fun. Uh, they also have a lot of hentai events. Like, after midnight, they have all these, like, hentai readings and hentai history classes and hentai... I'm assuming you have to be, like, 18, probably. 18 would... plus, they card at them. Yep. And the big thing, the number one event at Aten that some people come specifically for this event is the rave on Saturday night. And there's a rave in the... Uh, conventions in the Hyatt, I believe. In the Hyatt, yeah. There's a rave in the Hyatt with it's alcohol. Got, uh, no, but everyone comes messed up. People are like popping drugs and smoking and. Uh, Did and, you go? Uh, we couldn't get in because there was about a forty. There were about two hundred some people in line inside, and then the line wrapped down the block like two blocks away, and it was still that long at three a.m. Holy sh. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So the rave is like really, really big, and there was a girl with us because uh, our friend Ryan, who also is co-host of this podcast, he and his girlfriend were there, and her, his girlfriend was not dressed warm enough to stand outside in the what was then freezing cold weather. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate, but uh, yeah, we saw there were ambulances pulled up, there were a couple sirens that went off, we saw people leaving. So it was, it's like it gets nuts. It's really crazy. Uh, kids today. I know, right? So I won't keep talking much about it, but I bought one thing in the dealer's room. Okay. This is it. You can see it, hopefully. Uh, is... It's it's Pidget. <laughs> it's a stained glass. It's right, well, it's, it's a poster, but... It's, it's a, a poster it, of stained glass. It's a poster of stained glass. Hold on, I'll, I'll get it out of it's the plastic. It's got uh, Pidget, plastic, and right. then it's got Our Lord and Savior. For, the, for those... Uh, for those, well, this is not going to play very well for our audio listeners, but for those watching the podcast on YouTube, youtube.com slash unqualifiedpodcast, yes, it has our, our Lord Helix at the top with uh, Bird Jesus in the middle, Zapdos a little below that. You can see ATV right below him, and then in the bottom corner, of course, is uh, the False Prophet Flareon. So this is my little Twitch Plays Pokemon art that I got in Artist's Alley. That's pretty awesome. Very happy about that. Yeah, very nerdy, but obviously I don't care. Yeah. And the other thing, I don't have a backpack next to me, but the other thing I did, and this was the main kind of video game thing I wanted to talk about, was uh, I tortured myself for several hours on Saturday. The Literally the entire reason I wanted to go to Ace in the first place was because of uh, a new world music from Final Fantasy. Right. And or the, a new world, an intimate evening with Final Fantasy. And, and as I thought every, it was wasn't it Final Fantasy VI specifically, or was that that something else? No, that's the next one. Okay. Um, I'm going to so uh, uh, distant worlds. Yeah, distant worlds is the current name of the Final Fantasy Symphony concert series that that goes around the world. Okay. They're coming to Chicago in August or September, and I have tickets, and that's going to be a 20th anniversary tribute to Final Fantasy VI. And so they're going to play a lot of pieces from that. This was the North American premiere of A New World, music from Final Fantasy, which is chamber music of Final Fantasy music. And Nobuo Imatsu was there. He, was, he, performed, he performed keyboard in one piece. And, and if you don't know this listener for, or viewer from, from previous episodes, I am a mark for Final Fantasy concerts. I was at the first Dear Friends concert, which was the first fully... Uh, fully programmed exclusive video game music only concert in North America apparently like in 2002 I want to say 
I have been to distant. I have been to dear friends, more friends, distant worlds. Uh, I've almost gotten tickets to like go to Atlanta to see play the video game stuff. Like I'm obsessed with going to these things, right? So it's my thing. I studied classical music so I can appreciate the music, and so I'm totally obsessed. So the concert was Saturday at one. I went to bed around 4 a.m. Woke up at 6:30 to go stand in line. The convention center didn't open until eight, so I got I actually got to line to the line at 7:30. Stood outside in 40 degree weather for two hours to get my ticket. Two hours to get my ticket. Got my ticket. Realized it was almost 10 o'clock, and I should probably get in line soon for the actual concert, so I got a good seat because it was first come first serve seating. So I proceeded to not go to take a nap, but then instead just headed straight there. I grabbed like a, a $6 piece of pizza from the concession stand, and then got there, ended up with a front row seat. It was a little off-center. I didn't I didn't have a great view, but it, I was right there, and, and I saw this concert. So it, it was about a total of six hours of standing in lines or sitting in lines. Okay. So was, was, was this a like especially for ASIN? Especially for ASIN, yeah. They did a show on Friday and they did a show on Saturday. Weird. That's a that's such they... a weird tie-in for an anime convention. I mean, I, I'm not saying that like it's weird that video games were there, but that's so video game specific. It, you know, I think it's weird. Their North American concert tours, their current touring schedule is the next performance they have is in Omaha at some other anime convention, and then their next show after that is in Toronto at some random convention. Weird. I know, it's really weird. I don't know why they don't just do it in a little concert hall. But whatever. And the tickets were free. The tickets were included with the ace, like any ace and badge holder got the ticket for free. Well, that's pretty I cool. mean, minus standing in line for six hours. But, and the fact yeah. that you pay for your badge. Yeah, yeah, and the fact they pay for the badge. But yeah, so like very weird. I don't know how they're booking it or whatever. But um, I got in. It was great. Uh, there was a string quartet. Uh, with a there was a percussionist with a little mini drum kit and marimba, a flute player, a clarinet player, a guitar player, a trumpet player, and um, a piano player, and a, I think a couple other instruments I can't remember. But you know maybe like like a ten or twelve person little ensemble, maybe fifteen, ten to fifteen. Cool. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll just briefly go over my impressions on it. I actually wrote down notes on this. Aren't you impressed? No. Not in, I don't think you would be. Now, you've heard all of the orchestra music in recordings, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you've heard all the, the Eris' orchestrated theme and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So the cool thing about um, A New World is they, they like to perform pieces that haven't been performed, that they're unable to perform with a full orchestra or haven't done the instrumentation for. So they played uh, several songs. They opened with One Winged Angel, which... I'm glad they opened with and kind of got out of the way. Because it's at always point, there at every concert. Yeah, I think uh, actually we talked about this maybe before. For like five years straight, it was the it was the encore. One Winged Angel was the encore piece for literally every video game music concert in the world. Right. Video games live play like all of them, so it's yeah, it's a bit overdone. So I'm glad they opened with it, kind of got out of the way, and it sounded okay. And then they went into some stuff, and I. I had an interesting experience. Like, they played Battle with Seymour from Final Fantasy X with just the string quartet. And at first, I I remember, I was thinking to myself, like, I had 
the actual song in my head, and I had the Black Mages version in my head, and it was hard to kind of like separate the original from the arrangement in my head because it's less percussive and things. And then I kind of flipped a switch in my brain about a minute into it and thought to myself, like, just think of it as a string quartet piece and listen to just it the way it is and not as it is a cover of the original. Does that make sense? Kind of. And I was able to enjoy it more when I was just, like, listening to it as a string quartet piece. Okay. It's kind of weird. I don't know. If you hear a piece done the same way for years and years and years and then... They do it a different way. Then you, I don't know. There's like a thing in your brain. I'd be I'd be really interested to like understand the psychology of some of this, but that's way out of our realm of expertise. Most things like are. way out. Yeah, most things. Are, but this is especially. So um, they played that. They played decisive battle from Final Fantasy VI, and the Red Wings theme from Final Fantasy IV. And I was so excited when they announced Red Wings, but I, yeah. I didn't love the arrangements. I didn't love the arrangements, and I thought that was kind of interesting because Decisive Battle from Final Fantasy VI is one of my great, favorite pieces. It's a great song. It's amazing. And you know what I think bothered me was they didn't have the bass, the driving bass, because my two least favorite arrangements of Final Fantasy music were this Decisive Battle theme and when the full orchestra plays Battle with Gilgamesh, because I think of the driving bass lines, and neither arrangement features that bass line. It focuses more on the melody. You remember, like, the SNES, those really slap bass parts, like in uh, uh, Shadowrun? You know, where it's very, like, boom, 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 boom. You know, like, the MIDI bass is just, like... Yeah. It's, like, all you remember for Super Nintendo. So that was that. Was that. Uh, they played A New World, the name of a song from Final Fantasy V, and I... Freaking loved it, even though I don't care about Final Fantasy V, as we've mentioned. Uh huh. You would know it if you if you heard it. Uh, uh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, there was a piano player they flew in from Germany who recorded the Final Fantasy piano CDs, and he uh, did a solo piano piece. He did the battle music from Final Fantasy VII and uh, something from Final Fantasy XI, which I kind of tuned out because I haven't played XI. Um, I bet that, that was, one was really cool. It was really cool. They were both really yeah. cool. Um, and it was cool to just hear him go for it. They played an arrangement of the Moogle theme from Final Fantasy VI and then mixed in part of it from Final Fantasy XI. Uh-huh. Which is kind of like, interesting. Um, and the five pieces that just killed me, that I just loved, absolutely. In no particular order. The Seymour theme was really good. There is a string quartet in Final Fantasy VIII that's orchestrated as a string quartet in the game. I can't remember the name of it, but the string quartet played that live, and that was amazing. Uh... Nobuo Uematsu and Arnie Roth, the director, who's also a violinist, they played, they were accompanied by everybody, but they played Dark World from Final Fantasy VI, which is the overworld music in the world of Ruin. Sure. Which it was, if you ever can see this live, like, you have to, because it's unreal. They did Xanarkin from Final Fantasy X, which is, of course, obviously beautiful. That was, like, the heart-wrencher of the evening. And their closing piece was Forced Your Way, the battle music, the boss battle music from Final Fantasy VIII, which I had goosebumps like the whole time. I, I did not think they could do it that well, and they just completely knocked it out of the park. Um, so those are the pieces for those. I thought, you know, maybe our, our audience may be interested. There's one other piece. Actually, Arnie Roth uh, got out his violin for one other piece, and he did a duet with the piano player of the main theme from Final Fantasy XIII and the battle music from Final Fantasy XIII. And Arnie Roth, I mean, the, the strings, the violins were unreal. It was, I mean, it was 
they were unreal. They were so good. They were so good. The players were all just really good. It was good. But I thought you'd find this interesting. They didn't play any pieces from Final Fantasy three, Final Fantasy twelve, or Final Fantasy nine. Yeah, which I'm a you would bummed. think made. I, I'm be... a little bummed about about not hearing anything from nine because that game had phenomenal music. And I know you love the music, and to me, it that would translate the easiest to a chamber concert, you know, because a lot of it is even the opening theme yeah. is what it's a couple like whistles or flutes or something whistles. It's a couple wind instruments, isn't it? I think. I think the the whole. F- the whole opening of the game is orchestrated, but the oh, you mean just like the title screen? Yeah, yeah the that's title a, screen. that's yeah, that's like a not a lot of instruments. Yeah, so it it, was, it really surprised me. I, I I really liked all of their selections, um, but uh, I thought I just thought it was odd. You know, it it didn't I didn't miss it at the time because I wasn't thinking about it because right. they have thirteen games to pull from, but it was kind of weird. Oh, and they also there were uh, two other things they played. They played. Uh, they played a Chocobo medley, which was unbelievable, and uh, they played the town music from Final Fantasy One, which usually I'm not into like Final Fantasy One, it's whatever. But the guitar just had this kick-ass kind of solo thing, and just kind of. Boo! Masu loves it, his guitars. Does yeah, he does. So it, it was he really does. good. Um, so so if if you ever have the chance to go, I, I would highly recommend it. I, I don't know if it would have been worth six hours of freezing your butt off and being uncomfortable sitting in a line for Probably it, like not. me. But uh, you know, like, like I don't think, I don't think you would have done that and walked away and been like, "Oh, that was worth it." But I, I'm such a mark for this stuff. I'm such a mark for this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's my thing. Um, and speaking of lines, to transition into talking about actual video games, not just music, for the actual lines, when I was, you know, any line I saw outside of any seminar or anything or whatever, every other person had their 3DS out. Of course they did. So I street passed. So uh, I've had my 3DS since Christmas, and I had about 240 street passes going into the convention. How many do you think I got at the convention? I'm going to say you got 100. I got 240-ish. Wow, so you basically doubled the number of street passes. (laughs) Yeah. So that was good. That was my other like big takeaway from it is now you have to clear them though. So I would walk for five minutes, take out my 3D, or I'd walk somewhere anytime we stopped anywhere for a restroom break or concessions or whatever, just pull it out, clear the notifications, meet my new people. Okay, put it away. Boom, you know. Right. And uh, I played some. I, I collected puzzle pieces from them all, so I got like 200 some puzzle pieces from all these people for my little uh, you know the puzzle piece street right. pass thing. So that was kind of fun. I got to, I got to enjoy my my street pass games and kind of like indulge in them a little, which was kind of nice. Now, and I brought Bravely Default with me, but I didn't feel like clearing all those notifications every time. Right. But I could have gotten a town of two hundred people in that game. I'm so. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna let you talk now, though, because we. Uh, yeah. Know. So I kept playing. I'm still playing uh, Arkham Origins, which I talked about a little bit at the end of the episode last week, and um, it it is feeling more and more just kind of bland as I play it. Still, um, yeah, like, you're so hard on video games, John. Like I said, the battle system is still so much fun, and like that is enough to carry it for a while. But I'll give you an example. I met. A villain named Anarchy, 
spelled with a K, and he had bombs throughout the city that you had to go defuse. And to do that, you just had to go fight a large group of people and then and then interact with the bomb. And then you did that, and that took a little while to do, just a little while, not long. But then you went to go fight Anarchy, and he was a guy in, like, one of those V for Vendetta masks, and all of his followers wear those V for Vendetta masks. And you enter their building, and there's, like, Anarchy signs spray-painted all over the walls, and he's, like, doing a... He's, like, announcing over the loudspeakers about bringing down the... uh, the rich people of Gotham because they're holding down the lower class and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was just thinking, I was like, this is like a storyline that feels like it was written by like an eight year old. <laughs> like it was, it was so, it was over the top comic book. Like it was beyond, it was beyond a good comic book story. It was just cheesy and dumb. So I was like way bummed out by that. Right. Um, and he is one of the, there's, there's a bunch of these like minor villains in the game. And then there's four arch villains and the arch villains are, they, they start off all blacked out. So you don't even know who they are. Uh, and it turns out that he was one of the arch villains. He was one of the four worst bad guys of Gotham was seven. And he's like 17 years old. So it was like 17 year old anarchy was one of the arch villains villains in this game. So I was a little little bummed out by that. Um, it really kind of turned me off from the game. Um, they, they are doing this cool thing that I don't remember them doing in the past Arkham games. Um, I know they had crime scenes that you had to investigate using detective mode. I remember that. And you had to, like, flag different stuff, right? That was definitely something you had to do in the past Arkham games. Isn't that correct? Yes. Am I just imagining that? No, you're not. Okay. In this game, they have Batman do a full-on, like, detective analysis of a crime scene. And he's got this really cool device, and I, good, good on them for not even bothering to try to explain why he's got it in this game and not in future games. But in this game, he's got this device that can analyze... You go into a crime scene, and you're, you look for evidence, like, on the ground and, and on the walls and stuff... And you scan it, and once you've scanned enough of it, it creates a crime scene uh, that is time-lapsed, and you can scroll forward and back to find even more clues through the crime scene. And it does it in detective mode, so you see, like, uh, you know, detective mode is almost like a, it's almost like an X-ray in the Batman games. So it's you like see Zray. So you see like skeletal st- structures of people when they're in the crime scene, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but for instance, like the first real big one that you encounter, you you walk into a building and there's like there's like somebody dead on the ground and then there's somebody dead hanging from a chandelier. Um, so you start you start analyzing some of the some of the stuff that's there, and then eventually you get to the point where you can you can go like you can time lapse the scene, like I was just saying. And so you start from the beginning and you like watch the person come in and like shoot one of the, so there's somebody that you don't know, you just have clues about this person, walks in, so it's like a shadowy figure, shoots one of the people in the head, like gets on the ground, uses the other, uses that person's arm to fire up at the person hanging from the chandelier to kill this woman and stuff. And so it's almost like creating this 
weird film noir detective thing in the middle of this beat em up is that game. good do you like yeah. that yeah no it it actually works very well uh it works surprisingly well because you you analyze all this evidence to start and then batman's like well i i need like something like i need something else and so to find that something else that you're looking for you do this time lapse procedure and then somewhere in like the middle of the actual animation of the crime happening another clue will pop up that is only you could only find it at a certain at a certain point in time time of stamp the, of the crime so like it gives you it gives you like an excuse to go back and forth and rewind and go forward in time with these crime scenes um, and i don't know how many there are in the game i've done a couple but they seem really cool that's kind of cool yeah so that's like a little that's like a cool little addition um, so yeah i like I like that part, but if there's more stuff like anarchy, the I mean I I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish it. I mean it like it was really it was unsatisfying. It was distasteful. Speaking of distasteful, we love women here at Unqualified Gamers. We do. That's actually a fact. Well, most of us. <laughs> you hate them. I no that you're thinking of you're thinking of zombies. I hate zombies. Oh, I, I love you women. Zo- I thought you were gonna say zombies hate women, but everybody knows that. Zombies probably hate women. They probably hate, uh, you know, men too. Yeah, I would think so. But I don't know. But we love women, and I commented in my Arkham City review that every henchman calls Catwoman the b-word. Yeah, like every single one. And I way remember that. It is. It was overt and and. Excess, way unnecessary. Excessive, way excessive. This game has none of that. Okay, okay. It's much more vanilla. Okay, so they fixed that a little bit. Yeah. And I'm all for swearing in games, but it was like, you know, I'm not like a hardcore feminist or anything, but I was just like... It was unnecessary. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it stuck out because it was so in-your-face, kind of, so yeah. But other, than, other than that, uh, Blizzard is running for a 10th anniversary, or for a 10th. For a first-year anniversary for Diablo 3, they're running a um, 100% increased chance of finding legendary items when you play the game. How do you feel about that? It has already borne fruit for me as I've been playing with the limited amount of times that I get to play it. So, so uh, you, you what? You found like a legendary apple or something? Right, right. That was one. Well, one piece of fruit. I mean plural of fruit is probably still fruit, so it could be multiple pieces of fruit. No, the and, fruit. and apple, yeah, for sure. Fruits is the plural of fruit. Uh, I think you could also pluralize fruit by calling it fruit. Like, a basket of fruit. We have now said fruit so many times that fruit has lost its meaning. Yeah, now I don't actually know what we're talking about. Anymore. Like, I'm not sure what a fruit is. I, a, I could use a fruit massage. But a basket of fruit... Is still multiple fruits. Well, I call it a fruits basket. That's the name of an anime. Brought it back around. Ha ha! I win. I win. That well was done. awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. And I'm awesome. Well, that's exciting. I did. You know, I, I know we we'll, we'll talk about some video game news in a second. I I won't go into detail with stuff, but you know what? I downloaded on my Android device on my phone. What? Plague Inc. Aha! Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It is. 
Yeah, yeah. John reviewed Plague Inc. in our first like ten or fifteen episodes. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And uh, I, when I got my new phone last month, I was just wanted to get some games on it, threw it on there, and uh, it is really fun. I, I haven't paid for anything. I just played the free version a couple yeah. times, but it's. There's I don't know. If... You, have to, you have to strike this delicate balance. You're a, you're a bacteria or virus or prion or something contagious that is out to just to wipe out all of humanity. And you have to strike this really delicate balance by by being like a really infective disease. So you want to spread quickly and you want to be deadly, but you don't want to be too deadly because then you kill off people too quickly and then they like quarantine you. Like there's it's really good. It's really well done. Yeah, it's it's an interesting balance of how quickly you spread it, how deadly it is, and how a couple other things like what climates it can survive and things like that. I always I always found the best way to play it would was to create a disease that spread just ridiculously fast but did nothing. Like I would make a disease yeah, that yeah. did that I would make a disease that did not cause even symptoms possibly. And then once it got everybody infected, I would mutate the shit out of it and just make it kill everything in like go from not being not having any problems at all to suddenly people dying like rapidly. But at that point everybody's infected and there's no way to find a cure. So that was the best way I found to play it. Right, and when you were explaining the game, I had no idea what kind of game it was because I thought you did a terrible job of explaining it. But when you clarified it, it was fine. But for those who didn't hear that episode, it's you're you just have a map of the world. You touch which country you want the disease or whatever to start in, and then it automatically spreads. It's like a very very fast fast forward version of like Farmville or something else, where the game kind of plays itself. As time lapses, you accumulate points you can use to upgrade the virus. And, and there are de- you... they're basically decision points. Yeah, and basically weird decisions dictate kind of where it goes. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, I could see, I haven't paid for it because I, I could see it getting repetitive after maybe a, a handful of sessions. So I'll probably continue the free version, but we'll Yeah, see. when they throw in some of the more advanced, like, viruses, once you have to, like, because the 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 first few that they give you are pretty are are pretty easy in terms of what they do like the next some of the later ones are much harder to use like there's one that starts off super deadly and that's really difficult to spread it because it, they you get like alerted the the CDC gets alerted and the World Health Organization gets alerted when you're using that disease immediately and so, yeah. like, you have them working on a cure for your disease basically from the start of the game. So it's really difficult to make that one work. I don't think I've ever won the game with that one. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I, I and I also think the news ticker is funny. So the, the way you're updated on all of this stuff is there's a little news ticker at the top of the screen. And it'll say things like, this country quarantined, or this country's government collapsed because everyone in it's Everyone's dying. Dead. And yeah. Stuff like that. But they update it because... When I was playing it, one of the ticker things was gamers around the world start worshipping Helix Fossil. <laughs> I haven't played it in a long time, but that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, and there were a couple other like similar like kind of topical ones around that's gaming. Cute. Oh, one of them was uh, International Goat Union demands uh, demands um, uh, what's it called royalties from video game license in as a reference to Goat Simulator. Sure. Or something like that. So would have been a lot funnier if I'd remembered it in like less than ten seconds. But 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun little cute game, and I like it, and that's been fun on the side. I am still working on Bailey Default, which I picked back up, of course. I'm uh, shelving Pokemon Y for a bit. I'm close to 400 Pokemon, but I, I could use a little break from it because I do want to finish Bailey Default, uh, and I've been playing a lot of Street Pass games, obviously. I plan on streaming again soon, by the way. I, Saturday morning seems to be a nice time for that, for me to stream. Yeah. Cause I don't do things on Saturdays because I have no friends. So there's that. Well, Speaking Saturday, of having... I mean, Saturday like afternoons, that's what that's for. It's for like yeah. chilling out and like recovering, you know, from the week. That's true. And speaking of not having any friends, guess what YouTube did? Got friends? Was that a good transition? It wasn't a good transition at all. You actually had the transition there when you talked about streaming. Like you screwed that up. Badly. Oh, speaking of streaming, YouTube did something. Yeah, that was a much better. Very How was that? Was that a better transition? A better segue. Was it a better yeah. segue? YouTube bought or is buying. I don't know if it's like finalized yet. I haven't. Or will buy. It's not yeah. finalized yet. It's it's happening though. They're buying Twitch TV. Uh, the the no, by far I think the by far the number one streaming service as far as video games go. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and I think with Twitch TV, that also includes Justin TV, which is the parent... I think that's the actually the parent company of Twitch. That's where Twitch was born out of. Do you know anything about Justin TV? No, do you? I don't I don't know if this is, if this is accurate. I think it actually might be accurate. But there was a dude named Justin who put a camera on his head and just went about his daily life with a camera on his head, and that is what I I believe, this is like what I read, started Justin TV. And from that, that has grown into Justin TV and Twitch TV. And from that, it is being sold for $1 billion. So that's pretty impressive, I think. Um, but YouTube is buying Twitch. And as as is want to happen on the Internet... People have opinions. Is that accurate? Did people have opinions about this? They really shouldn't. There should be a law against that. So the initial, I th the initial opinion is almost, God, I I swear it's almost unanimously negative for this particular one. Um, and I don't know if you've experienced the same thing. Oh, a lot of times with some of these other things, like you get a lot of people that are like you get a vocal. Maybe not even necessarily a vocal minority, but you just get a vocal group of people that don't like the decision. But there are usually you can also find people that are supportive of it and can make can make arguments as to why it might be a good thing. But from what I have seen, it almost seems unanimously negative for this particular merger. And again, I don't know if you've seen this, a similar thing. Um, but basically, I think people are upset. People think that. Because Twitch, it, I'll be honest, I love Twitch. Twitch is freaking great. Right, yeah, who doesn't? We're gamers. Of course we do. It, it is really great. And people are upset with YouTube because of their, I think, I think you know, when YouTube was first created, there wasn't any real monetization in there. So there wasn't advertisements. There, You know, it was basically just, Anybody could put up any videos they wanted. It was like the Wild West of videos. Well, it has become so much more ingrained in culture now. They have found a way to make money on it because they should, right? Because they're a company that has created this ridiculously – this ridiculous. it's a ridiculous website. Like anybody can upload video. That's insane. So 
people are afraid that they're going to come in and like further monetize Twitch. Twitch is already monetized. Right. Like, they've already got a monetization uh, uh, like structure, tiers. infrastructure. Structure, yeah, structure where. Uh, thank you for where you know like the the most watched channels all of advertisements if you don't subscribe to them and so I don't know what people are afraid of are people afraid they're going to like create more advertisements on them like I, oh they'll, they'll integrate Google Plus so you have to comment using Google Plus now Ugh. I so what there's no like comments there's no comments on Twitch channels anyway. You're doing, you're doing a really good job arguing against here. So, so here's what I have to say about it. It only, to me, YouTube has a streaming feature. It sucks, right? It's not good. It's not integrated well, and it's not intuitive at all. So, it, and and it only makes sense the fact that they have not done any work to fix it. It only makes sense that they go out and acquire a company, the company, that is doing it the best of any company. And if you were a large company that could afford to buy another company that is doing something well, you would do that. I mean, it makes sense, right? And Google's been – I think Google's been really good as far as YouTube goes. Like, they don't charge anything for anybody that wants to upload video, Right? You or I can upload as much video as we want. They do have a they do have a couple of of uh, hindrances in place where they'll they'll limit the the length of the video, but you can you can ask to have that lengthened, right? They limit it initially until you upload a few videos, and then they lift the limit. Right, and so there's like there's like an artificial limit there that they lift, but for the most part, anybody can upload whatever they want to upload video wise and short of it being flagged as offensive content or copyright infringement that needs to be taken down it stays up there and they yeah. host it on their servers for free right like that I, is I, mean, all... I agree I agree yes I'm, well no I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say you don't although you did say I can't believe all the shit that YouTube is going to do to ruin Twitch you did say that That today. is exactly what I said that is definitely yeah. exactly what I said but I just don't like I don't understand what all the hubaloo is. In fact, here's what I here's what I predict is probably gonna happen because you asked me. I think YouTube is going to buy Twitch, and then I think YouTube is gonna leave Twitch to do whatever the hell Twitch was doing. I, I doubt there's a I think there's a chance, I think there's a good chance that they do nothing with Twitch. And they just start taking the money from it. Yeah, people oh god, people and then People maybe so down, dumb. and then maybe down the road, they they like they integrate it with YouTube because it only makes sense to eventually integrate it with YouTube, considering that they're both video hosting sites, they're both video hosting tools, right? Right, and integrating so, with YouTube will be a good thing because you'll be able to put more of your content on YouTube directly. Right, that's exactly right because you wouldn't have to use Twitch have them record a video for you while you're streaming and then upload it to YouTube. All that thing, that could happen all instantaneously. I, I don't understand. When did Google become a bad guy? Like, when did people I think start it's when it like... got so big. I mean, it got, it's huge, right? It's enormous. But what but, are they doing? What are they doing that's so terrible to the consumer, to the end user? Putting an ad online? Are you kidding me? Like, the amount of free shit that we can do 
because Google is like, here, do this free thing that we're not going to charge you at all for any money, email services, translation services, uh, you know, Google Drive. I have five gigabytes. I can just throw up on their servers, and they're just like, 15. yeah, whatever. It's 15 gigabytes. It's 15. My Gmail inbox has 15 gigabytes. Yeah. You can, as you said, you can literally upload or watch any video on the planet at any time on any device maybe or you know, free maybe part of it is people don't realize just how many services google offers right it, it just blows my mind it, like, and for for the for for advertising of all things for their relatively unobtrusive advertising they're not having B giant banner ads pop up and fill your window that you have to close. You have to or, wait. Or ads in the mid, like ads in the middle of your video that take up space. Which is not YouTube's doing. I explained this to one of our one of our Google Plus friends earlier today. If there is an ad in the middle of a video, like at, in the middle of it, that is because the person who posted the YouTube video enabled that feature to make more money from YouTube. YouTube does not mandate that. We at Unqualified Gamers, we have videos on YouTube, and there are several that I have not monetized because I don't want people to have to sit through an ad. And if they did, we wouldn't. We don't have enough viewers to get revenue off of that. So right. rather than have the hundred people that'll watch our video have to sit through an ad and give that like a give us a three cent kickback, I'm just like, well, who cares? You know, like we're not gonna make money off it anyway. Let's take it off. For some of our more recent videos, I've put up ads, but there's one ad that plays at the beginning of the video. I could enable it so that once you get halfway through, you have to watch another ad, but I'm not going to do that because why would I? But people are getting mad at YouTube for the ads that are optional. Any ad you see on YouTube, every single ad you see on YouTube is enabled by the owner of that channel. Every single one. Any any one of them. If a, if a, if a channel owner is running too many ads, get mad at the channel owner. Yeah, but, and that's just that's just a an option like that's like you said, that's just an option for the the user to use to get money from YouTube. Yeah, that's you know, that's how they monetize and and if you think about it, if there were no way to make money on YouTube, you wouldn't have PewDiePie, you wouldn't have Smosh, you wouldn't have Philip DeFranco, like they would have made a bunch of cool videos and been popular and then stopped because they would have real jobs they would have to do and they would probably be hosted on their own websites you wouldn't have all of that you wouldn't have all of that aggregated into one kind of giant database yeah the infrastructure that you do provides and the services and the data storage and the speeds my god the speeds you're streaming these videos after 5 seconds of buffering like i don't get how people don't get that youtube is is has changed the world, and for the most part, for the better. And oh my God, your life is so hard. You had to watch a 25 second advertisement. And you didn't even have to watch 25 seconds. You five seconds in, you were able to skip the ad. You can skip all of their ads in five seconds. Yeah, no, people's sense of entitlement pisses me off. And the the person on our that well, we were talking that I was talking to on Google Plus earlier. I said that, and he's like, "It's not entitlement. I just don't think a service should be worsened." And I'm like, "Yes, it is." Like, if you feel that you should be able to watch any video you want at any time on the internet ever and not have to do anything for it and just get it for free, no ads anywhere, then you feel entitled. You feel like, I am entitled to 
completely free content from some magic content fairy of the internet that just magically lets me watch any video I want because no one has to pay for servers or anything. No one's paying for that bandwidth. None of that's going on. No, no, there's just a magical... There's a magical fairy that, that puts billions of terabytes of video on the internet at all times for you to watch because you're that special. That's that that's what happens. That's what happens. The kids these days back back in the day with dial up, you had to pay twenty dollars a month for an AOL.com account so you could have an email address. Now what? Magical content fairy. Yeah. That's good. It's a real thing. Sorry, wow, that was a rant, wasn't it? It was. A little bit. Alright. So anyway, uh I don't I like I don't know. I don't know what they could do to ruin it, but I'm sure there I'm sure there are things. But I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that YouTube's got a lot of really smart people working for them, and they're probably going to they're gonna recognize that Twitch has a good thing going. They're pr- and they're probably not gonna rock the boat too much with it. You know, they recognized that Twitch was only gonna get bigger, and they bought it before it got bigger and was become, gonna become more expensive. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. To me and to anybody that understands how the internet works. Do you remember the Oculus Rift acquisition uh, deal with Facebook? Yeah, which is which is even more awesome because they got like the same amount of money and they were like a studio of 9 people, right? Or like 11 right. people. Right. Whereas Twitch is much much larger than that. Twitch is a a Twitch has an infrastructure. Like Twitch requires a lot of people to run. But Oculus Rift was just this. I don't know. That's such a cool story. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a good story. So, uh, so I was thinking about this earlier because I knew we would talk about this uh, on the podcast. And uh, so people were super furious because Facebook is going to ruin Oculus Rift, and then now people are super furious because Google's going to ruin Twitch. And I thought to myself. When is the last time a company acquiring another company ruined something? And then I thought about what is the most hated video game company in the world? EA. I thought it was Activision. They're they're both up there. But uh, voted the worst company in America two or three years in a row. That was Activision, right? No, that was EA. Was it EA? It was. I thought it was Activision. Activision's pretty hated though, right? Aren't yeah. they the one with that super outspoken CEO? Yeah. Okay. So well, they, both, hate... they both have outspoken CEOs. Okay. Well, everybody uh, was, EA was the one that got voted worst company to work for. Are you sure? I'm positive. All right. Well, it wasn't to work for. It was just worst company. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. So people hate Activision, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, look how much they ruined the uh, how much they ruined World of Warcraft and Starcraft. Am I right? That's a different thing. Yeah. You know what? There's actually I was joking because there... they didn't ruin it, right? No, they didn't. But that's a different thing because Blizzard has Blizzard has carte blanche no matter who they went with. Like nobody would touch Blizzard. That's a totally different thing. There are actually quite a few. There are actually quite a few instances where a company bought a large company buys a smaller company, and I can't think of any. None are coming to to mind off the top of my head. I guess put it in a video game perspective, like um, people probably think maybe Square Enix didn't do a good job with Idos. I would think when they bought them. Um, but re- regardless, like there are definitely bigger companies that have bought smaller companies. How about here we go? How about Microsoft buying Rare when the Xbox 360 came out, and then it's Rare just Rare just disappeared off the face of the earth. 
Yeah, that didn't go very well. made Perfect Dark Zero. Like, and that's just one. I promise you, there are lots of examples in the video game space of companies buying each other and then it not panning out well, right? Um, but Google like doesn't have a track record of doing that. So it's like like AT and T just bought Directv for a lot of money. Yeah. AT and T has a track record of. Sh- customer service and being shitty to their customers. So people, and DirecTV has a reputation overall, like I'm sure, you know, you've got individual people who have had problems with it, but DirecTV actually has a reputation for very good customer service. So there are people that are legitimately concerned, and I think they have a legitimate concern in that case, because a company with a reputation to be very bad to their consumers just bought a company that has a reputation that has been very good to their consumers. But Google has always been great to everybody. Yeah. Right? As far as I know. Like... Yeah? Like, they've they've always been great to everybody. So, I, they come out with this crazy technology and then they, they just give it to people to beta, like Google Glass. Like, it's just like, here, here here's... You people are influential. Have this new thing and use it if you wouldn't mind so we can get some data from it. Let's give it to you. Yeah. Right? Google Fiber. Hey, we're going to pilot this thing in a couple of cities here in the United States. It's going to give you a hundred, like, gigabytes down. A maybe second. It's, maybe it's one gigabyte it's, down. A second. It's, a, it's a gigabyte a second or something. A it's giga- a lot. Yeah, we're we're going to give you a gigabyte down per second. And we're just doing this as like, we're testing this. So you just have this. Like, oh, maybe we'll, I think maybe they charge like 30 bucks a month or something. Like some stupid small amount. It's just like, th- we're like just testing this. Like this is something we're trying. Right? So like they've always been good to consumers. So when a company like Google acquires a company you like, like you should be excited because they have a track record, and and maybe you think they had a misstep with the this the YouTube comments thing being integrated with Google Plus, but they're try they're just trying to integrate their whole network. Like they're trying to make their whole network work as a whole to make it actually easier for you in the long run. Yeah. Like re- whether you understand that, right, whether you feel that, that is easy for you or not, like the act of making a a Gmail account or making a Google Plus account, it probably wasn't that difficult. And if that's all you had to do to like make YouTube comments, it's probably not that difficult to do that, honestly, in the long run. But like, they're a company that does good things for their consumers, so right. I wouldn't, and, I wouldn't worry too much. And what was one of the number one complaints about YouTube for since its inception is the comment section. So, and because people were just destroying each other in the comment section, leaving this and that, and, and yeah, it was. Just, it was, it was horrendous. It was toxic. And, and you know what? They're they're not still great, but now they're not nearly as bad as they used to be. With sure. The, because people, there is ownership. It is connected. There's a little to, bit of accountability. There's a little bit of accountability. And you know what? Good on Google. Why does no one ever focus on that? Right. You know, like, hey, guess what? We made one of the least civil places on the internet more civil. Like, wow, sorry you have to click three things to make a Google Plus account. Sorry your life is so hard. Sorry you made your life so hard that you had to click three buttons so you could comment for free and say whatever you want on this video you're watching for free that we let somebody upload for free. Like, and, we'll, and we'll host it. The sense of entitlement is just such garbage. And, and some people complain about Google collecting your personal data. And it's like, you know, you realize that's how they make it work, right? 
So I, I made this analogy earlier. It's like if I'm if I'm Nintendo, if I'm Nintendo, we like Nintendo, right? On this podcast, Nintendo. we like Nintendo. If I'm Nintendo of America, and I wanna and I wanna advertise the Wii U, and I decide moms don't know enough about the Wii U, we should make an ad targeting moms that shows them the difference between the Wii and the Wii U, and we'll put it on the internet. They go oh, they over to Google, number one search engine in the world. They say, hey, Google, start running our ad. Google goes, okay, and they start showing it to everybody. 75-year-old men are seeing this ad. Eight-year-old boys are seeing this ad. Little kids that already own a Wii U are seeing this ad. Uh, single people are, are owning this ad. People with income under $20,000 a year are seeing this ad who, who aren't in the market for a console. Uh, you know, like 50,000 people see the ad, and maybe 100 people are in their target range. Then they have to pay a bunch of money. Well, the right people didn't see it, so consumers are like, well, that content's not relevant to me. Nintendo is now like, well, that was a waste of money. And then Google has to justify themselves. The system doesn't work. Advertising online doesn't work if you don't get data collected. Google's not sitting there trying to spy on you so that they can, like... Give your info to the government. I, let's not get into the NSA stuff. Everyone's doing weird stuff with that. But 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 Google's not sitting there doing anything devious. They're just trying to make online advertising a viable option for advertisers. Right. So that there's any, you know they have created Google has created hundreds of thousands of jobs. I've worked with Google on half a dozen different clients' advertising campaigns. I'm working with them right now. I mean. I wouldn't be able. We wouldn't be able to drive website traffic to unqualifiedgamers.com if I wasn't able to tell Google I want to reach these very specific people. And we've gotten a couple hundred hits since I started advertising because it works. They make it work. Right. And the, the end user consumers need to realize Google is is not demanding. They're not greedy. They're not asking for really anything except some automated cookies that get thrown into an algorithm so that you see content that makes sense. And, and I don't see how anyone on the planet can see that as bad. I don't know. I do know. I do know. People that are really bitching about this are are not educated on how all this stuff works, and they're making too many assumptions. So you know, bottom line is that uh, if you're worried, Twitch is probably going to be okay, guys. Twitch is probably going to be probably okay. Probably going to be okay. Marvel did pretty okay in the movies when Disney bought them. Not really worried about this. The other piece of news that I wanted to talk about, and it was one that actually happened last week, but Xbox announced, uh, I say Microsoft announced, that they were going to drop Connect from the Xboxes. Yeah. Which was always like they they beat that drum from the announcement of the Xbox One, um, but they're going to drop connect from the Xbox. I'm sure you'll still be able to buy it with the X. They'll, they'll be, you know, it'll come bundled. Uh, but they're going to drop the price $100 and they're going to take Connect out. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. I do. But I was wondering if you do. Yeah, and, and this won't be another rant, don't worry. Uh, but I the only reason I found that interesting was because it was so it was my understanding that Xbox kind of built the infrastructure of the Xbox 1 around the Connect. Like it, using kind of voice commands to to navigate the menu, right? And neither of us have Xbox Ones. We don't know anything about the UIs, really. Correct, correct. So we, yeah. So I, 
no idea, but it, it was my understanding that the Kinect is a pretty essential piece of, of hardware for the system. I don't know. I think well, it is. Well, that was, I mean, that was their whole point. That was the point of them saying, hey, we're going to make the Kinect be in every box. Yeah. Right? Like, that was that was the reason why. Because we have made this this UI, this user interface, that is, by all accounts, cumbersome if you don't use voice controls. So you need to use voice controls to make it elegant, to make it work correctly. Yeah. Right? That's what I that, that was my understanding. And so that that made me scratch my head a bit when they announced this. I don't what do you think? Right. So um well I saw a great I saw a great statistic by somebody I follow on Twitter that uh to launch a game that you have just downloaded from from Microsoft from the Microsoft store, you can do it you can do it with your voice by saying Xbox launch and then saying the name of the game. Or he said it took 95 button presses to get to the game in the user interface. I can't believe that. I think that might be a little excessive probably. Yeah. But he said, but you know, and maybe he's counting like up and down on the control pad as a button press. I'm sure he is. But he said it took 95 button presses to get to the game that he just downloaded to launch it. Um, so, the point he's trying to make is that yes, it is essential if you want to easily navigate the menus of the Xbox One. That's what he's trying to say. I think th- kind of the the bummer. I, there, there's a there's a bummer here for sure, and that's that as much as they pushed the Kinect technology, and as cool as the technology is, because it is cool technology, gamers don't care, and they voted with their wallets because. Xbox put the Kinect in the box and charged 100 bucks for it. Because obviously they're able to charge 399 without the Kinect. So with the Kinect, it was 499 So gamers said, all right, well, guess what? We don't really want the Kinect. And there's the fault really lies on Microsoft because they did not do enough at all to demonstrate why you needed this Kinect, right? To my knowledge, there's been like one game that has come out with for the Kinect for the Xbox One. Maybe that. Maybe even that. I don't even know if there's been one. <sighs> yeah. So you've got a group of you've got a group of gamers who adopted the Xbox One with the Connect bundle, with the oh, sorry, with the Connect inside, and have like nothing. They have nothing to to play for it. The only thing that they have been able to do for it is navigate the UI, and that's cool. But I guarantee you, and I would feel the same way that like I don't want an extra. I don't want to pay a hundred bucks to navigate my UI better. Just give me the freaking controller and give me my $100 back. Yeah. And make your UI navigable with that controller. Yeah. Like, I don't care there... how futuristic it is to talk to your to talk to your system. I know that that's cool. Like I and I acknowledge that that is cool. I own an original Connect. And I bought it specifically because I thought it was cool, to which I have one game that I have played for it. Yeah. Um, but I would feel so duped as an early adopter of the Xbox One because the only reason why I paid more for the system was because there was this piece of hardware that they're now calling superfluous. So I'd probably be a little upset. I think I probably would be too. Yeah. And I think it's also it's an acknowledgement to Microsoft that they're just going to stop. Come on. They're going to stop support for it now. Like they're not going to. They're not gonna make anything for it. There's no way because there's no they reason connect? to. Yeah, there's no it's, reason to. Someone's going to. You know, it's it's funny. You don't play Connect. You don't really have friends that play Connect. But my coworker, my my old coworker John, had a 
a kid. He's like three or four or five or six. I'm really bad with ages, but he's got a little kid, and his kid yeah, you loves Yeah, you couldn't tell that girl was 15, so... Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to either. Arr, nah, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, YouTube, thank you for being admittable in the court of law. I'm sure that's helped some people. Just not me. Anyway, John's kid loved it. This little kid loved the Kinect. It was constantly playing and jumping around and stuff. So, you know, there's an audience. There's certainly an audience. I guess the kids' games on it are really awesome. And, and yeah, and I mode. have a baby, and who knows? Maybe in three, four years, maybe Max will love to play on the Connect. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Because I've got I've got a friend with a kid as well, but he was like, and he played with the Connect, but it was never like his favorite thing in the world. Not that's not every kid, but he did. I guess he did play with it a little bit. I mean, as a as a device, I I wouldn't knock it. I think it's but cool. if you're I think gonna it's great. if you're gonna your early adopters of your system are not 35-year-old, you know, they're not 35-year-old dad, right? Maybe Microsoft thought they were. I don't know. I don't know. They're, it's like, like it's not 30, it's just not. It's not uh, It's not 35-year-old dad who is buying the, the system for their three-year-old. And maybe that was a little bit of hubris, right? Maybe that was... Our Xbox 360 was so successful that, like, the same people that bought all those systems, they're going to be the ones that buy, like, we know, they're going to be the ones that buy our Xbox One as well on day one because they loved it, right? Maybe yeah. that was a little bit of the trap that, that Nintendo fell into as well. So, so Microsoft was, you know, they may have said, well, because we know that, like, we had so many people that bought our system and they just loved it, we're going to have that same number of people buy it again, we're going to be able to get this connected into their homes by putting it in the box, and then we can charge a little more for it. That's fine, but we'll sell you on it. We'll give you, we'll show you all the great things that this Connect can do. And that was what that big press conference was at E3, was yeah. to show you everything that Connect could do. And kind of the proof was in the pudding now. Now that the system has actually come out, because it obviously is not doing what they thought it was going to do. And there was a statistic that said, um, like when the X or when the when the Titanfall people were people were a little bit soured. You remember the whole console wars thing back at last E3. People oh, yeah. were a little bit soured over Microsoft over some of the decisions that they made, which they immediately backpedaled on. But um, you know there was some statistics that just came out in the in the sales reports this past uh, I want to say last month, and the Titanfall bundle. There was a Titanfall bundle that came out that made the Xbox come with Titanfall for 4.99, right? Which is right. basically a free Titanfall. The PS4 still outsold Xbox One when Titanfall dropped over the course of that month. Wow. It was still outsold by the PS4. So that just shows you that, like, PlayStation listened to, you know, Sony listened to their consumers. They heard what the early adopters wanted, and that is what they gave them. And uh, Xbox didn't. You know what I find really interesting Jamie Butterworth just posted an article the other day from The Motley Fool, which is an investor's website. So this is legit business, not yeah, some I, weird... I read Motley Fool sometimes. Yeah, okay, yeah, so not some weird biased video game speculative thing or whatever. It's a legit business piece, and it was talking about how the PS3 has decelerated... or the PS4, rather, has decelerated in sales in Japan more quickly than the Wii U did after the Wii U's initial release... And now there's a chance that unless PS4 sales pick up 
in the next, you know, I mean, it's got nine or ten months to pick up, but based on initial reports in the first few months of being out, uh, PS4 could be outperformed by the Wii U in Japan. So Sony's not doing real hot over there, where apparently Japan is... To be fair, I don't think that Japan buys consoles as much anymore. Oh, no, they don't at all, and that's totally fair, but it's interesting. It's interesting to see that shift... um, really kind of come to life now because you, you hear, I, I've read it in several articles, I mean, Japan's very, very, very mobile, and yes. that's how Nintendo can print money with its 3DS, because the 3DS is still insanely popular over there, because it's also pretty much the best system ever. So, that's doing gangbusters over there, and even Wii U just doing okay. It was funny because Jamie wrote a comment that was like, you know, who knows, maybe Nintendo's next system will be some kind of hybrid, you know, console slash handheld or something like that. And I, I commented and I was like, kind of interesting. The Wii U kind of is that in a way. It kind of is. If they just had a if they just had a uh, basically if your three D S was your Wii U gamepad, you would have yeah, it, a hybrid. It, it's it's not mobile mobile, but it's you can walk around your house with it. Right. So it's 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 localized mobile, but it's kind of uh, it it's it's certainly more mobile than any other platform out there. So it's yeah, it's just really interesting the yeah. way that the way that the world works is what I'm saying. Because you were just talking about you know Sony listening to its consumer and things like that. Well, that's funny. They listened to the maybe they listened more to the American consumer than the Japanese because they knew more just that they more just that they listened to the group of people that they knew would buy their system on day one. Yeah, maybe I guess like, that makes they sense. Kept, like they kept their value proposition going with their with their PS Plus. Uh, they gave like they gave free games away on on day one for being a PS Plus member. That's crazy. I mean, that's, that's awesome. cool. It's awesome. Although right? I've heard reports, and and they did listen, but I've heard reports that they initially had the same DRM restrictions that Microsoft had. But when Microsoft announced them and Sony saw the backlash, that's when Sony just kind of quietly dropped that. But it was initially it, it going to be there. It doesn't matter. And you don't think it matters because it's it's all it about them because, listening. It doesn't because yeah, it it doesn't matter what they plan to do. It's what they gave you. It's what they gave you as the consumer. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about you know the Microsoft Connect thing. I get. I just don't know much about it. It's it was surprising based on what we talked about, based on how much they hyped it. And uh, and talks about how essential it was to using the system, and then suddenly it's like, well, no, you can actually use the system without it. I it's think it's odd. I think probably the most interesting thing to me, especially as somebody who works for a large corporation and who knows the way that large corporations work, is that stuff does not happen quickly when you work for a large corporation. It takes right. a very long time to do things. That there's multiple reasons for that. A lot of times there's a lot of people that need to be – there are a lot of people that you have to check with to make sure everything is okay. You have to make sure everything is okay legally. Um, and Microsoft has moved – for for a large corporation, they have moved so fast on all of the problems with the Xbox One, all of the things that they have found issues with. Like they have made very quick decisions. That DR, that like that DRM that, – the backlash from last E3 – the fact that they were able to change all of those decisions that they had made by the time the Xbox One came out, like four months later or five months later, that is insane for a large company because they probably had all of their financial stuff that was all baked into like the stuff they were gonna they were gonna 
like the factories they were going to use to make the Xbox Ones in the fall, that was already that was already on the books. I guarantee it because that's the way that companies have to do it, especially publicly traded companies that have to answer to shareholders. Like they had all that stuff baked in, and they made that decision incredibly quickly and got that done. So like moving removing the Connect, like I guarantee you that like that wasn't in the books this year. Like and it wasn't in the books for next year either. There's no way. So it's it's significant. I mean, they're at least they're at least being reactive in a good way. Um, and that's I think they should be commended for that because they're listening. Yeah. Like I just said, that's important. They're listening to you. So did you hear what uh, Bill Gates said about about the Xbox division? I think he said that he would be okay selling it to somebody else, maybe something like that. Somebody suggested that Microsoft should sell or get rid of Bing, and Bill Gates said they that he thinks they would be smarter if they wanted to get rid of an arm of Microsoft to get rid of Xbox before Bing, because Bing has more potential future revenue and things like that, which makes sense. It's a it's a huge search engine. Yeah, you know, even if it's failing, Yahoo's still making money. People are still using Yahoo, so. Yeah, that's true. I mean. I th- I think Xbox still well actually I don't know I don't know what the financials look like for them I don't know if they're making money or not but I just thought it was interesting I thought the, I thought removing the connect was a it's a big it's a big freaking deal and it's not really something that you announce like that's a huge thing and E3's coming in a month so like why wouldn't you just wait not even a month a couple of weeks why wouldn't you just wait to do that so I think it's interesting that they had made that giant announcement before E3 so. Like, what are they gonna do at E3? It's gonna be huge. Whatever they have, whatever they have to show at E3 is probably gonna be awesome. If they didn't announce this at E3. Well, I mean, last year Sony and Microsoft announced the Xbox One and PS4 before E3. Yeah, but that's a little different because that that gives the consumer, in my opinion, that gives the consumer nothing. They're just like, oh my god, there's gonna be a new system. Not only is there gonna be a new system, there's gonna be a new system that I get to see stuff for at E3. Because I don't care about I don't care about just the announcement of the new system. Yeah, I want to know sense. what's on the new system. That makes so sense. So they were hyping it up at that point. That makes sense. Get hype. Yeah. I, I tell you what's going to be awesome, and I think maybe next week we should do E3 predictions, but just as a teaser, I think it would be hilarious if Sony was like, all right, we're doing a price drop. Price drop on the PS4. It's going to be <laughs> 50 bucks less, because the whole point of this is to make price parity for Xbox and PS4. Because Xbox thinks it'll outsell then. So if, if PS4 just came in and was like, all right, we're going to be lost leaders, it's fine. We're just going to do it. I think it'd be hilarious. I think it'd be awesome. And Sony is pretty good at trolling Microsoft. They did a pretty good job last year. They so. really did. Interesting. Console Wars Part 2? It'd be pretty sweet. What if Nintendo announces a new... Oh, they're not doing a thing. They're not going to announce that. I did see a leaked E3 list. We can talk about that next week. Well, well you can't make E3 predictions if you saw a leaked list. Well, we won't make them about Nintendo. Oh. Oh, it's just a Nintendo leaked list? Yeah, that's all I saw. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to Smash Brothers. And I have, I need to go to GameStop and uh, pre-order Mario Kart 8, because, oh my god. Yeah, tra- so Transistor comes out tomorrow. Super excited for that. What's Transistor? The new game by uh, Supergiant Games. Same company that did Bastion. Oh, That's okay. out tomorrow. I will be picking that up. I <laughs> know, 15 bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. Pretty, pretty Any good. other video games? And the early reviews are that it's f- incredible. Of really? Course of course it's incredible. 
they made one game four years ago that was amazing, and then they didn't make anything else, and they're a small company that, like, has spent four years making a game. Come on. It's going to be amazing. That's fair. Is there any other video game news you want to talk about? Nope. I'm good. Yeah, I don't think I have anything. I have uh, my fill. All right. Let's well, see. Frankly, I've looked at your face for far too long tonight, so I'm I'm ready to be done. What You're looking list- at my face? What did the listener play? I had porn on my screen. I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, you are. Yeah, let's catch up on what the listeners have been up to. Angel, uh, we always ask you, what did you play last weekend? And then you tell us, and then we talk about it, and uh, it's kind of fun. Angel, I'm playing classic Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. You know, I never played KOTOR, did you? Oh, yeah. I played KOTOR, KOTOR multiple times, and KOTOR 2 once, but that one wasn't as good. Oh, really? Oh, my yeah. gosh. The original KOTOR was so good. You're crazy. How did you ever play that? I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel about none of the Star Wars games being part of the canon? I don't care. I, was never I don't really care, except for Shadows of the Empire. Does that include Shadows of the Empire? Yeah. But Shadows of the Empire was a book too. Yeah, but none of the books are either. Some of the books are, aren't they? No, they said like all of the books are not part of the all the expanded universe books are all not canon. That's what they all said. All of them? Yeah. Which is fine, isn't it? I mean. Not, sh- it's fine except Shadows of the Empire. Okay. It really bothers me that Shadows of the Empire is included in that. Well, I don't know if it is. I'm just assuming it is because I, I'm pretty sure I saw that like all, or all, but yeah. Literally, literally, one thing. Wh- I want one thing to be canon, and that is Shadows of the Empire. Okay. Because it, it stands. It doesn't. It doesn't change anything from the movies at you all. Should, you should write an email. All right. Miles is going to go old school with Star Wars Republic Commandos and some Lego Star Wars Complete Saga. There's a lot of Star Wars going on this week. Apparently. It's pretty cool. Uh, Tanya is going to play The Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 3. On the... <laughs> Can I just say, I think it's weird when you call a game something like Season 2, Episode something, like a video yeah. game. It's a new way of monetization. They're getting good money out of that. And I've, heard, is... I've heard that that episode is like the like, the most intense one they've done so far of all of them. I've heard they're all amazing. Yeah, the first I'm game not, was great. I'm not into Walking Dead, are you? No, but the game was awesome. So you don't need to watch the TV show? Not at all. It's different. I think it's actually the same characters, but it's a completely different story. Okay. I'm going to pick it up. Kieran, let's see, playing Assetto Corsa mostly, getting serious on dropping some lap times. It's a racing game, I'm guessing. It's a racing but, sim. Yeah. Uh, but throwing in a bit of P cars with that, maybe that's a typo. Cars. Nah, it's P probably cars. P cars. We just have no idea what he's talking about, which okay. is fine. Okay. Also finishing a playthrough of Bioshock Infinite and want to get more Return to Castle Wolfenstein finished before the new release. There's a new Wolfenstein game? Yeah. Did you, yeah, you didn't hear about that? No. Yeah, there's a new Wolfenstein game. Everybody's been clamoring for that. Dude, it's... you you killed Robo Hitler. Come on. It's <laughs> awesome. It's is it called, Is it called Wolfenstein Forever? Robo Hitler. I don't know. Is it, is it called I Wolfenstein Forever? Called. I don't know what it's called. That was a Duke Nukem Forever reference, by the it way. It was really good. It was a really good reference. Uh, Percy the Gamer is going to play some Battlefield 4, Transformers Fall of Cybertron, and a bit of Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Okay. Good choices. I still got to try Battlefield sometime. Can I try this Transformers game? I know. It was, I, like, like it was I, on sale the other week. When it goes on sale again, I think I'm going to get it. Yeah, you should. I've heard really good things. I know, I have too. Can't be worse than the movies. Hey, oh, are you gonna see the new Ninja Turtles movie? I don't know. 
I'm not. It looks like garbage, and it's going to be stupid, and I hate it. I mean, it's going to have... It's going to have cars shot like women and women shot like cars because it's a Michael Bay flick. So I can't do it. I can't do it. James says, this weekend I'll be trying to finish off Crusader No Remorse on the PS1. I am on the last level and it has only just started to become a challenge. Hope you all have a great gaming weekend. Oh, thanks, James. Uh, Crusade, uh, okay, Crusader No Remorse. Do you know that game? Nope. Ah, we're both stumped. Sounds like fun. Treasy Chew. Treasy Chew? Treasy Chew? Treasy Chew, or Treasy Chew, Lego Marvel, Dragon's Crown, and whatever else till my computer is fixed. I have to get a new video card, sad face. Aww. John's been there. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Butterworth. I'll be playing some Scram Kitty and his buddy on rails and <laughs> some as-yet-undecided games. No, no, if, that's a, if that's an actual game, that is a fantastic name. That means absolutely nothing. That's awesome. Scram Kitty and his buddy on rails? I don't know. I'm sure he'll watch this and leave this in the YouTube comments. So uh, so if you're watching this on YouTube, check the comment section below. <laughs> Jamie, I'm just really glad you told us that. Scram Kitty, real or not, I don't even care. That's awesome. Uh, Crawler3333, I'm still on the same Adventure Quest Worlds quest I was talking about some podcasts ago, but it's useless, useless, useless. Still don't know what that hard. is. Yeah. yeah, sounds hard. Sounds hard. Vintage Gamer... Uh, Private Lee Brown, perfecting ultimate combos in Killer Instinct on the SNES, not the new one. So that's good, mm-hmm. I guess, because we didn't hear the new one was great, right? No, the new one was supposed to be pretty good. I thought the new Killer Instinct wasn't supposed to be very good. No, the new Killer Instinct was supposed to be pretty good. I didn't like the old one that much. Oh, uh, okay. All right, and Chris says, my weekend was more Puzzle Quest and a lot of Binding of Isaac. Good nice. Choices. John, uh, Binding of Isaac is actually... The first game we ever reviewed on this podcast. John reviewed it. Yeah, I I love that game. I love that game. That game's awesome. I got it later, but could not configure it for dual stick controls with my 360 controller, so I got tired of it. Oh, you didn't like it on keyboard? I think it actually works fine on keyboard. It's one of the few... It it probably works fine on keyboard. It working on keyboard is not the problem. I don't work on keyboard very well. Fair enough. uh, You made me think of one more thing, actually. that, That dumb. You're pretty dumb. I'm pretty dumb. You made me think of something earlier. When... Once and it's like... okay, so I'm not I'm not listening to you anymore. Uh, you made me think of something when you mentioned attack uh, when you mentioned Titanfall earlier. I you know Titanfall? It's a, it's a video game. Yeah, uh, there's Titans that fall. Yeah, sure. I, I Instagram videoed about it a week or so ago. Follow me on Instagram, Instagram.com/slash Cody Goff. Uh, there's a link on our on our website. But I was going to mention also since we see so much of this on Google+, at ASIN, I would say over 10% of the cosplayers, it, maybe between 10 and 20% of the cosplayers, were from Attack on Titan. Wow. Like, an insane amount of cosplayers. Okay. I should watch that anime, even though I don't watch anime. I know. Between 1 in 10 and 1 in 5 of yeah. the people there, just everywhere you looked, everywhere you looked, it was wild. It was insane. So, uh... I kind of felt left out because I, you know, when probably the only person at the entire convention that's never Who didn't seen it. watch it, yeah. That's yeah, true. yeah. So, but I, I think it's only a couple seasons or a season or it's, I don't know. But I, I'll probably get it and watch it. So It's on Netflix. Is it? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. We watch an episode, see so you like it. It's, it's insanely popular, as we've seen from Google+, Plus, where you can follow us. We have almost over 9,000 followers. You know what's going to happen when that happens. Nothing really, actually. Nothing, nothing actually. Nothing really at all. 
actually. So we're just gonna have over nine thousand followers then. Yeah, there's that. But but all of our stuff is at unqualifiedgamers.com, including links to our podcast, YouTube channel, lots of other stuff, articles, guest articles coming uh, down the, the pipeline. I've got some video I need to edit, but um, I left my my MacBook charger at somebody's place, and he hasn't mailed it to me yet. I don't know what uh, I don't even know how to use a mailbox. So uh, I, I honestly I don't even know how to mail anything. I kind of need to have my computer plugged in in order to edit video since that okay. takes a lot of battery power. So uh, I don't know what it is. You know. I, look, I'll have to try to uh, look. I'm, do I just like, put a stamp on it? I'll figure it out. Yeah, I gotta ask, you, ask your wife to do it. Ask your wife to do it. She might know how to use it. She's really smart. She is certainly smarter than I am. Way smarter than you are. Well. I'm pretty smart. She's way smarter than you. I'm pretty smart. You're, you're peeing your pants right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs>